No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we see where Gideon and the men of Israel pursue and kill the two princes and two kings of Midian. Then, Gideon punishes two cities for not giving his army food when they needed it. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Judges chapter 7 on Simply the Bible. The greatest tests often follow the greatest victories. Thomas Carlyle wrote, Only one in a hundred passes the test of prosperity. When we are poor, weak, or unknown, we are very much dependent upon the Lord. We know we can't make it without His help. But when we are blessed with prosperity, victory, or fame, then it is easy to rely upon our wealth, strength, knowledge, or reputation, rather than upon the Lord. It's during these times when everything seems to be going well that many saints fall. Gideon was the least in the tribe of Manasseh, but God had chosen him to lead the children of Israel against the Midianites who oppressed them. The Lord reduced Gideon's army to 300 men so that no one could take credit for what God did. Under the cover of darkness, with trumpets and torches hidden in clay jars, Gideon led his army against the Midianites and the Amalekites. When the enemy heard the trumpets blowing, the breaking of the jars, and suddenly saw 300 torches surrounding their camp, they panicked. The Lord set every man's sword against his companion, and others ran away as fast as they could. In the aftermath of this amazing victory, Gideon would face his greatest tests. We continue in Judges chapter 7, verse 23. And the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh, and pursued the Midianites. God now permitted Gideon to add to his army men from these three tribes to chase down the enemy. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as beth and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as beth and the Jordan. And they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeeb they killed at the winepress of Zeeb. They pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. Ephraim was the largest tribe in Israel except for Judah. Ephraim also was a brother tribe to Manasseh, to which Gideon belonged. When Gideon first gathered the troops, he did not call for the Ephraimites, and it was a good thing, because when Gideon, under the Lord's direction, sent over 9,000 men home, the Ephraimites certainly would have been offended. But now that the initial battle was behind them and Gideon was adding troops, he called for the Ephraimites to assist in the mop-up operation. They pursued, captured, and killed the two Midianite princes, Oreb and Zeeb. Then they brought their heads to Gideon. This reminds me of when my cat would kill a mouse and leave it at the front door as her trophy. Chapter 8. 
Now the men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. Rather than congratulating Gideon on his victory and thanking him for leading the charge against Midian, the Ephraimites were critical of him for not inviting them earlier. As I said, they were a proud people who were easily offended. But there could have also been a financial motivation in their criticism. Gideon's 300 men had routed an army of 135,000 and no doubt collected the spoils. Ephraim had no part of this booty. But whatever their motivation, the men of Ephraim sharply reprimanded Gideon. So he said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. Gideon's first test was the test of criticism. It would have been easy for Gideon to be offended when he had taken the risk and set the enemy to flight and all the Ephraimites could do was to complain that they hadn't been invited. He could have retorted, Don't you know who I am? Look, God chose me to deliver Israel. Quit your griping. But Gideon handled this criticism with grace and humility. Rather than taking offense, he focused on their accomplishment in capturing and killing Oreb and Zeb. Gideon exercised great diplomacy even honoring them above himself. In this, we can see why God chose Gideon. He was not a glory seeker, nor did he let his success go to his head. He simply faithfully executed the duty that God had given him. We are told in Proverbs 15.1, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Receiving criticism can be tremendously vexing, especially when you know that you've done the best you could do. Often the criticism comes from people who really don't have a clue as to what is really going on. But to be able to handle such criticism graciously, with gentleness and humility, is the mark of a great leader and an attribute of Jesus Christ. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over, exhausted, but still in pursuit. Then he said to the men of Succoth, Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmanah, kings of Midian. And the leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmanah now in your hand, that we should give bread to your army? So Gideon said, For this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zalmanah into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Hospitality was one of the basic laws of that culture, and custom demanded that they meet the needs of strangers as well as their relatives. But the men of Succoth didn't want to help Gideon and his men unless they knew that the Midianites were completely defeated. They feared the Midianites more than they feared God. Rather than joining with their fellow Israelites in the resistance, they selfishly shunned Gideon and his men. 
In the New Testament, we are told in Hebrews 13 too, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. We cannot close our eyes, turn our backs, or harden our hearts against our brothers and sisters who are in need. Verse 8, Then he went up from there to Penuel, and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. So he also spoke to the men of Penuel, saying, When I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. In both Succoth and Penuel, Gideon was tested by rebellion. These cities weren't only rebelling against Gideon. They were rebelling against God who had chosen Gideon to lead the nation in war and already given him a great victory. What do you do when people who should be following your leadership don't? In one sense, it would have been easy for Gideon to let this slide. Things were going well for him. God had given him a great victory. But if he would have allowed such rebellion to go unchecked, then it would have decreased morale among his troops and it would have increased rebellion in Israel. Proverbs 17.15 says, Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, both are detestable to the Lord. This was not the time for Gideon to deal with this problem. But as he left these cities, he said, I'll be back. Verse 10, Now Ziba and Zalmana were at Karkor, and their armies with them, about 15,000, all who were left of all the army of the people of the east, for 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. Then Gideon went up by the road of those who dwell in the tents on the east of Noba and Jogbaha, and he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. When Ziba and Zalmana fled, he pursued them, and he took the two kings of Midian, Ziba and Zalmana, and routed the whole army. God delivered these two Midianite kings into Gideon's hand. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle from the ascent of Heres, and he caught a young man of the men of Succoth and interrogated him, and he wrote down for him the leaders of Succoth and its elders, 77 men. Then he came to the men of Succoth and said, Here are Ziba and Zalmana about whom you ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Ziba and Zalmana now in your hand that we should give bread to your weary men? And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them he taught the men of Succoth. Then he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. The ancient practice of teaching men with briars and thorns involved the student laying face down on the ground while his body was beaten with thorns and briars. Then he would be drugged through the dirt until he was near death. This was a brutal method of punishment. But we must remember that these were cruel times when everyone was doing what was right in his own eyes. And killing the men of Penuel was indeed severe punishment. But this would be a strong deterrent to any other city in Israel who would not join in the fight against their enemies. Verse 18, And he said to Ziba and Zalmana, What kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabar? So they answered, As you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. And then he said, They were my brothers, the kings of my mother. 
As the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. Then he said to Jether, his firstborn, Rise, kill them. But the youth would not draw his sword, for he was afraid because he was still a youth. So Ziba and Zalmanah said, Rise yourself and kill us, for as a man is, so is his strength. So Gideon arose and killed Ziba and Zalmanah and took the crescent ornaments that were on their camels' necks. At some point, these Midianite kings had killed Gideon's own brothers. Since they had no police force in those days, it was the responsibility of someone in the family to avenge the deaths of family members. So when Gideon discovered that these men killed his brothers, he had to kill them. Gideon delegated this responsibility and honor to his firstborn son. It would have humiliated these two kings to be killed by a youth. So they protested. Gideon's son wouldn't draw his sword because he was afraid. So Gideon did the job himself. While we are in these bodies, we are never out of the woods. God is constantly at war against the powers of darkness and against sin. We may trust in the Lord when times are bad, but let us also trust in Him when times are good. I pray that God never prospers me beyond my ability to love Him first and most. And I pray that He keeps me from the overconfidence that would cause me to fail His tests. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we will look at the last days of Gideon. More is written about him than about any other judge of Israel. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Judges on Simply the Bible.